have a seat. This morning, we are so glad you're here. If you're here with us live, we're so glad you're here. If you're joining us online, welcome to Bethel, Bethel Orlando. We're so glad to have you guys joining us this morning. So it's been a crazy week, right? A lot of things have happened this week, and we learned some new phrases. Like Andrew was saying, we learned this phrase called social distancing, and it's maybe strange, a little odd, but we're going to do our best to see that through because that's a way of showing love to others, right? And so, Ray, do you want to come help me a minute? So what are some ways we can do the social distancing? We did a pretty good job out there this morning, but we can just start by the simple like, hey, how you doing? Yeah, good to see you. We can start with a wave and a smile. Yeah, can we do that? Everybody smile and wave. Yes, wave and a smile. So we've got to do Some of you are like, mm. <laughs> Yes, yes, a smile and a wave or... Um, Maybe some other things like what else could we do, Ray? I, I I'm just keeping my hands right here okay. in my pocket, Keep your and I'm hands doing in your like, a chicken, like a chicken wave. And what's interesting about this is you tell our son, "Get your hands, get out, your your hands out of your pockets." That looks so sloppy. <laughs> get your hands out of your pockets. I, I know you're. But walking. it's okay right now. Yeah, but it's okay, it's okay to put your hands in your pockets. Situational pocket. ethics. It's okay. um, you know, just like the whole "I love you." That's a great way. You know, I love you, love you, love you. Glad you're here. Or peace. That's super biblical. This is you really know, nerdy. Like really, really nerdy, but live long and prosper. Yeah, we're not going like, to do that. I want to live long and this prosper. This is what we're so not distance. going to do. Okay, okay, we're not going to do that. <laughs> so, um, you know, in the in the lobby, I saw some bows and some curtsies. Yeah, yeah, like, we good. could bring that. I might hurt myself, but we could bring that back. That would be great to bring back. So, very formal that's here good. this yeah, morning. That's good. Thank you for your yes, help, Pastor Ray. <laughs> so, we don't know. What's going to happen this next week? We don't know what new phrases we're going to learn. I do know St. Patrick's Day is Tuesday, so I drug everything green out of my closet because I might be quarantined Tuesday, right? So all the green is happening today. We know St. Patrick's Day is coming. We know Pastor Ray's birthday is coming on Thursday, whether we're quarantined or not. Yep, so life will move on. But in the midst of, like, all the weirdness and craziness, and I've heard a lot of different comments. Some people I talked to this week, and this is very true, um, I have some friends that said, I will not be going to church because people are not respecting my distance, and I feel uncomfortable with that. And then I've heard, talked to some people that said, this is crazy, this is stupid, I'm going to do whatever I want. And so I think we need to find somewhere in between that to just say, you know, we always talk about the verse in the Bible where he says, how will you know that you love me, and I will know by your love for others. And Often people ask us, how do we do that? How do we show love for others? Like, how, what, what does that look like? And this is like a very easy way to show love for others. By sticking your hands in your pocket, by backing up a little bit, by nodding your head, saying good morning. And it may seem silly, but if we could protect one person in our Bethel family, if we could um, keep some one person healthy, by doing these things, it would totally be worth it, and I think we would agree. We have um, people part of our family that are different ages and different um, health-wise. You know, some people are compromised at different levels than others. So let's do this easy thing. This is just the beginning, church, of how we can love those around us. So we learned a new phrase this morning, and we're going to do our best um, to see that through. If you are visiting with us this morning, we are so glad that you braved it and that you're here. If you are live with us, you'll find a connection card in the seat back in front of you. If you are visiting us on Facebook Live, you will see in the comments a link that you can click to fill out a connection card. And if you're listening to us on podcast or on YouTube, you can go to our website, My Bethel, 
www.ccc.cc slash new, and you can fill out that connection card. Now, you can do that whether you're joining us for Orlando or Oklahoma, and we will get that information to the correct team. And why do we ask you to do that? Because we want to be able to serve you. We want to be able to reach out to you and see how we can serve you best during this time, see if we can answer any questions, and just get to know you better. So we're so glad that you're visiting with us today. We are entering into our service, and the title of the service today is, um, the sermon is Dangerous, continuing in our dangerous, um, dangerous minds. And it's how can we be a dangerous people for God in our minds? And this is a big one this week as we step into this. So let's go ahead and get started on Dangerous Minds. Bethel family, how's everybody doing? Good to see you guys. Uh, so good to have you this morning. Also, those that are joining in Orlando, if you'll get your phone out, I'm going to walk you through something real quick uh, that you'll be able to help us and partner. Uh, if you're online, get your phone out as well. If you're watching on your phone, you may not be able to do this, but um, go ahead and get your phone out. And I want to walk you through the Bible event. If you don't have the Bible app, I want to recommend that you download it. Uh, it's the If you just type in your, your uh, store, whether Google Play or if you go to the Apple Store, you can, the App Store, you can actually see um, a Bible app, and it's called the YouVersion Bible app. If you'll download that Bible app, it says Holy Bible on the little icon. If you'll download that Bible app, there is a ton of features. You can do Bible reading from your pocket. You can set up reminders for yourself. You can also um, uh, do Bible plans with your friends and family. So if you're practicing social distancing, you don't want to get together and do a Bible study together, you can still do a Bible study even if it's at a distance. And so the Bible app is a, a great way for you to connect uh, with each other and also with God's Word. But on the Bible app, there's a specific um, function that I want to walk you through that you can actually get more out of today's message and more out of um, every message here at Bethel, also there at Bethel Community Orlando. And so if you go to your Bible app and if you'll click on the, once you open it up, you're on the home screen, and if you'll clip, click to the right on the bottom, it says more. There's little three little dashes and more. If you'll click on that, one of the options is events, okay? And if you'll click on events, you can actually find your church, uh, whether you're in Orlando or here in Yukon, you can find your church, and it says Bethel Community Church, Yukon, mybethel.cc, dangerous, week five, emotionally dangerous. And also in Orlando, you'll see the same thing. You'll see uh, dangerous, emotionally dangerous Bethel Community Church. And if you'll click on that, you'll be able to follow along today in the, with the message notes. One thing in particular that I want to share specifically for UConn and also Bethel Community Church we don't, in, in Orlando, I'm not sure what the future is going to bring. We don't know how this is going to go over the next few weeks, if we're going to be gathering virtually, if we're going to be gathering in person. We really don't know. Um, only God knows, and that's about it. But there are some stuff that we're planning for. You know, Easter's coming, kind of a big day. That's where we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And so we want to partner with you, and we want you to partner with us to celebrate resur uh, the resurrection of Jesus and Easter. So if you're in the live event for UConn, you'll actually see a little further down, you'll see an actual Easter graphic that you can share on social media. You can text it to people. You can share it on Facebook. You can share it on Instagram, Twitter, any social media that you'd like to. And the simple way of doing that is you just hit the little up, up button, the share button. And as soon as you get uh, hit that, it'll give you an option to share. We've already put a script in there for you. Easter is coming. Do you know where you're celebrating Jesus' resurrection? 
join me at Bethel. And so this is a personal invitation from you to your friends and family. And if you'll do that on the live event today, uh, we can begin getting the word out for Easter, okay? Um, we're going to play as though Easter's coming. We know it's coming, and we're planning on being here, okay? So let's just, just stay connected on social media, and we'll make sure that we have everybody informed. But that's the best way for you to track online and actually share in our live event is through your smartphone. If you don't have a smartphone, I know Pastor Rick's phone might not do that. Uh, so he has this flip phone, and uh, I've been trying to get him to upgrade, but he just wants buttons and call. That's all he wants, okay? Uh, so he may not be able to get this on his phone, but that's okay. That's okay. It's no big deal. He has his Bible, and he's here. So we're, we're good. We're good. All right, so two announcements that I want you to know about, uh, just some housekeeping. Since Easter's coming, we always give away a ton of candy to kids. We want them to have fun. We want them to learn about Jesus, and we also want them to have a ton of candy. And so if you will begin dropping off candy in the lobby starting next week, uh, we're going to have a big bucket, and you can bring candy every week and uh, help us celebrate Easter together. And then also, if you will partner with us on um, Easter for our community. One thing that uh, we're talking about over the next couple weeks is there's going to be a lot of needs. There's going to be a lot of um, un unsettling uncertainty in our community, emotionally unsettling. And what we want to do as our church, we want to see how we can best serve our community, how we can connect the dots. Uh, maybe you're one of those people that went out and bought, I don't know, 150 rolls or boxes of toilet paper. Maybe that was you. And there's other people in our church that don't have any and they are on their last ply, and they're about to have to get creative. Um, what we want to do is we want to connect you in order to say, well, I've got a bunch, and you don't have any, and so let's share. And so we're working on a way over the next few weeks for us to connect that. But also, more importantly, our community. Our community is looking at the church in general, our church and others, on how we're responding to this. Where is our faith? Where's our focus? How are we, as we saw last week, how are we sighted in? How are we looking and correcting our sight? Are we focusing on heaven? Are we focusing on, on Jesus? Are we focusing on God? Or are we super overwhelmed and concerned with our circumstances and panicking? And so we want to move our church towards a place of prayer, not a place of panic, okay? And so over the next few weeks, we're going to partner with you. We're going to communicate that in order to, to serve our community better. I talked with Miss Joanne at Compassion of the Hands this morning, and we're going to be talking how we can serve even the elderly in our community that are, are more at risk, and we're going to see how we can partner with them over the next few weeks. So stay tuned for that. Uh, to start this morning, what I want to do is I want to get us up to speed on where we're at in this series called Dangerous. We're talking about being dangerous, not because we're in danger, okay? We're talking about as believers, as followers of Jesus, how we are dangerous simply because we have the Spirit of the living God in us. And having the Spirit of the living God in us makes us dangerous for the enemy, makes us dangerous for even the coronavirus, because we will not be um, kept quiet. We're not going to go and hide. We're actually going to serve and love those around us well through this time. Uh, today, we're going to specifically talk about how we can be emotionally dangerous, extremely timely. You know, this series we've been planned, this has been planned for a long time, and God knew that this was going to be set up and it was going to come out exactly right now at this time. And so if we think that we need God just to tell us in the moment what to do, man, God works ahead of time. God works in the time. God works later. God does his thing. And so emotionally dangerous is an amazing thing. But I will tell you this, God has called you to a dangerous life. God has called you to understand that you are actually dangerous. We've been talking through different areas of our lives and how God has equipped us to be dangerous. And our response to this fact, our response to this truth that we're dangerous, 
will affect the way we respond, will reflect, uh, reflect our effectiveness on how we're going to work and how we're going to serve and how we're going to love our community. So just to give us a quick overview uh, about this series, uh, specifically for those that are joining us online for the first time today, uh, in our first week, we talked that we are dangerous, that God created us in His image, God created us with our emotions, with our minds, with our bodies, with our spirit. He created us in His image, and He called us to oversee His creation. We're looking at a person in the Old Testament, and his name is Gideon, and Gideon was in a time in his world just like we're experiencing right now, and God showed up to him and said, listen, Gideon, you are dangerous. You're a hero. I've called you to do something significant. What's interesting is God uh, came to him when he was hiding in a wine press. He was hidden from the world. He was trying to get food for his family. He was bunker hunkered down. He was in a bunker, and he was like, okay, I'm going to try to get food for my family, and God actually showed up to him and said, listen, you're dangerous, not because of what you're currently doing, but because I know who you are. I've created you to be a certain person, and I know that you're going to step into this dangerous calling. And, and what we've learned that first time week is that we can lock arms with others around us, and we can actually create a dangerous movement. Uh, week two, we talked about being spiritually dangerous. Spiritually dangerous people take Scripture, and we know that Scripture is actually a mirror it's not binoculars to look at other people or to judge other people. It's actually a mirror to look at our own lives. We use Scripture to heal and fix others, not to beat them and wound them. We actually use Scripture as ourselves, looking at ourselves in the mirror, and say, oh, this is what I need to correct in my life. And then we can go and lead others in the same direction. Third week, we talk about being physically dangerous, that our bodies are, not, that our bodies are a temple, not a playground. When God asks us to do something, we'll be physically able to do it. Last week, we talked about where we look determines where we'll end up. Where our minds take us, we will end up there. Where we look, where we focus, where we put our attention is where we will end up. We can sharpen our minds. We can look to Jesus. We need to set our sights on heaven. We need to focus on heaven. So today, we're going to talk specifically about being emotionally dangerous. My dad actually shared a scripture with me yesterday and my siblings, and I thought it was appropriate today to share in Psalm chapter 33, verses 13 through 22. My dad shared just a couple verses, but I want to share a little more because our time right now is not unique in the world. Humanity is fragile. We need to recognize that. Um, we are not promised tomorrow. Actually, there's only one thing that's promised is when we we're born, we're going to die. That is the one promise we have. And there's all sorts of different ways it's going to take us out. Well, the psalmist, when he wrote this in chapter 33, he understood the fragility of the human race, but he didn't lose hope. And so let's look at verse 13. It says, the Lord looks down from heaven and sees the whole human race. So God sees everything. He sees everyone. And he understands. Look at verse 14. From his throne... He observes all who live on the earth. There is no one that's out of his purview. There's no one out of his sight. He sees everyone exactly where they are. Verse 15, he made their hearts so he understands everything they do. When we're looking around our community right now, we're looking at our country, and we're like, man, these people are acting really crazy. They're, they're going overboard. Well, guess what? God created our hearts, and he understands exactly why and how we're reacting, how we're reacting. He is not uninformed about what's going on. Pastor Reuben said in our team huddle this morning that this did not catch God by surprise. It did not dethrone him. This was something that he was aware of. Verse 16, the best equipped army cannot save the king, nor is great strength enough to save a warrior. Don't count on your war horse to give you victory. For all its strength, it cannot save you. 
okay, so whether you bunker down, whether you hide and isolate yourself, whether you stay socially distanced from people, that's probably not going to be enough, and that's not to make us fearful. That's just simply us understanding the fragility of, our, of, our, of who we are as humans. Verse 18, but the Lord watches over all those who fear him and those who rely on his unfailing love. He rescues them from death and keeps them alive in times of famine. We put our hope in the Lord. He is our help and he and our shield. In him, our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. I want us to say this last line together where it says, for our hope is in you alone. I want us to say that together. If you're watching online, just say it where you are. It may feel a little awkward. Just say it together. And I want us to actually engage this morning because our hope is not in what we see. Our hope is not in our circumstances. Actually, our hope is in God alone. Okay, so let's say this on the count of three. Our hope is in you alone. On the count of three, one, two, three. Our hope is in you alone. All right, let's say it again like we mean it. If you're online and you didn't say it, say it this time. All right, let's say it on the count of three. One, two, three. Our hope is in you alone. Where is your hope focused? Is it focused on him or is it focused on your circumstances? All these verses are overwhelmingly filled with hope and dependence. It's not ignorant or blind faith. It's actually experiential faith. The author had gone through and experienced what it means to be emotionally dangerous, to understand that our emotions well up, and yet he was going to submit them to the hope that he had in God. His influence, he is influencing us even thousands of years later that we can stay in the midst of uncertainty and anxiety, that our hope is in you alone. Emotionally dangerous people are emotionally intelligent. I want us to walk through some scientific things, and then we're going to dig into the story of Gideon and how he shows us how emotional uh, how he can be emotionally intelligent, but also emotionally dangerous. Emotionally intelligence is simply this, the capacity to be aware of, control, and express one's emotions, and to handle, handle interpersonal relationships judicially or with good judgment and empathetically, okay? And so emotionally awareness or emotional intelligence is to be aware of how I'm feeling, but also aware of how people around me are feeling, Okay, so it's one thing to know me, but I need to see, be aware of people around me. Psychology Today puts it like this. Emotional intelligence is generally said to include three skills. Emotional awareness, or the ability to identify and name one's own emotions. The ability to harness those emotions, that's number two, and apply them to tasks like thinking and problem solving. And then, number three, the ability to manage emotions, which includes both regulating my own emotions when necessary and helping others do the same, okay? So if you understand this emotionally dangerous, emotionally intelligent, we just read through Psalms that our hope is in the Lord. And I wonder if a lot of us act that way or don't. Only you can decide whether you act that way or not. Are you ignoring it or are you actually acknowledging it? Are you acknowledging it and then helping other people acknowledge theirs? We look at the life of Gideon. And Gideon actually found himself in a very difficult situation. When we met him in Judges chapter 6, I think he was hunkered down and didn't have any more toilet paper left. Man, you guys are just... <laughs> I think he found himself out of toilet paper. They had already been invaded. All of his food was gone. All of his stock, livestock was gone. Everything was gone. And he was in the bottom of the wine press scavenging food for his family. 
these invaders threatened his nation and the livelihood of his family. They were isolated in caves and strongholds, and then they cried out to the Lord. If you walk through the story of Gideon, it wasn't until they were isolated and in danger that they cried out to the Lord. And I wonder if this is a turning point for our country, for our church, for our community, that right now we feel a little anxious about it. We should be calling out to the Lord. We should be crying out to Him. We should be understanding that He is the only one that can save us. So let's pause for a minute. Let's cry out to the Lord. If, if you are watching online, pray with your family and friends that are gathered. We need to ask for wisdom and guidance. We need to ask God for opportunities to make a difference. And we need Jesus to actually show up in this situation. So wh- where is our confidence? Let's, let's take just a minute, not too long. Let's take a minute and cry out to the Lord and ask him for wisdom on how to be emotionally dangerous and how to be aware to serve our community, okay? So right where you are, just bow your head, close your eyes, and cry out to the Lord for wisdom, strength, and direction. God, you understand, even before we do, everything that's going on in our country and in our world. You understand the lives that are at stake and the danger people are in because of a simple virus. God, but we understand that you're on the throne. We understand that our hope is in you alone. We understand that in spite of the panic, we're going to pray. In in spite of the anxiety, we're going to submit to you. And when we come together as a family, when we're in unity and submitted to you and calling out to you is where we will see the greatest difference. God, may our hope be in you alone. May you, the Prince of Peace, now give peace. May you, the God that's on the throne, give us hope. Our trust is in you alone. Our hope is in you alone. We praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Judges chapter 6, verse 36. says, Then Gideon said to God, If you're truly going to use me to rescue Israel as you promised, prove it to me this way. I will put a wool fleece on the threshing floor tonight. If the fleece is wet with dew in the morning, but the ground is dry, then I will know that you are going to help me rescue Israel as you promised. And that is just what happened. When Gideon got up early the next morning, he squeezed the fleece and ran out the whole bowl full of water. What does this have to do with being emotionally emotionally dangerous? Is that Gideon understood and expressed that this was an impossible task. He was wanting to know God, and he understood that God could handle his fears, his doubts, his emotional breakdowns, and Gideon wanted to know God intimately. You got to understand that before this time, Gideon had never encountered God. Before this time, Gideon had never personally known God. And in Old Testament scripture, we don't have the Holy Spirit always here with us. Actually, in that time, the Spirit came when he wanted to and left. And so Gideon, for this first time, was encountering God. And then he understood that, hey, I'm going to test and see if this God can handle my doubts. He was not aware of God's overall power. He had heard stories. Now he wanted to see it for himself. So here's my recommendation for when we have fears, doubts, and emotions. Because a lot of us tend to bottle it up. Some of us go crazy and yell it out. But I think there's some steps we can all take. We need to speak it out loud. We need to say it out loud. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm afraid of. We need to write it down. We need to express it to someone that we trust. We need to walk through it with someone. And then we need to measure it, our emotions, against the reality and truth. We need to measure our emotions to make sure that we actually are in line 
with our fears, doubts, and emotions. Are we expressing it? What do we do when we have fears and doubts? Let's talk it through. Let's get it out in the open. Because when we talk through it, and when we write it down, when we express it, is when God can work on it in our lives. Verse 39, then Gideon said to God, please don't be angry with me. So he had already fulfilled the one request, and then he comes again. Don't be angry with me, but let me make one more request. Let me use the fleece for one more test. This time, let the fleece remain dry while the ground around it is wet with dew. Verse 40, so that night, God did as Gideon asked. The fleece was dry in the morning, but the ground was covered with dew. Here's what's interesting about this is that Gideon prayed that God would reveal himself to him. Gideon didn't pray that God would change the situation. You understand that the circumstances was they were invaded. They had enemies. They were hungry. They were starving. God said, you're going to go rescue your people. You're going to go rescue Israel. And Gideon didn't even ask him to change those situations. Gideon wanted to know him more. So nothing changed about the circumstances. They were still under oppression. God still called him to fight. God still called him to lead others. Nothing changed in front of him. What changed was that Gideon knew God better. So dangerous people, emotionally dangerous people, believe the evidence in front of them, not how they feel. They believe the evidence in front of them, not what they feel. Do you understand that? So when we have an emotional kind of a fear, doubt, anxiety, I don't need to let that run me. I need to look at the evidence that's in front of me. Gideon learned that in spite of his emotions, he could trust God. He could trust God. Even with this request, he could trust God. Today, we have an opportunity to know God more. We have an opportunity to trust God more. We have an opportunity to be emotionally aware of how our hearts are responding to the chaos around us with coronavirus. We're not going to ignore our emotions, but we will put it before God and ask him to reveal himself to us. There are three responses to the virus and the news, and you've seen them all. Total anxiety and fear. Total dismissal and thinking that everyone is stupid. And three, I don't know. I don't know. Have you seen all three of those? People freaking out, people thinking everybody else is stupid, and someone saying, eh, I don't know. Well, this is how we need to acknowledge that our emotions matter. So we need to understand that some people say ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is bliss. Just because I don't know about it or don't believe it doesn't make it not real. Okay? There are people way smarter than us telling us that this is an emergency. There's a guy back in 1847. Lily was telling me about it this week. It was funny. A guy named Ignaz Semmelweis. You guys ever heard of him? Probably not. He was a Hungarian physician and a scientist. And in 1847, he found that hand-washing dropped mortality rate to below 1%. Simply washing your hands before touching sick patients. Scientific community, what did they do with him? They mocked him. They threw him in an insane asylum. And he died 14 years later at age 47. He understood the reality that simply just wash your hands. Wash your hands and you can be safe. It'll drop the mortality rate. So the evidence in front of us is that this is a real threat. The evidence of hand washing and mouth covering and social distancing is a real thing. And so let's be emotionally aware of how we're responding to it. And let's respond in love and say, I don't really know if I agree with all this, but it's probably good. It's probably good to practice this hygiene. Someone told me, it's good that I'm getting back to something I learned when I was in kindergarten. And I told you last week, man, I have a hard time not touching my face. It's really difficult. And I've been learning this week that, oh, my goodness, I touch my face so much. 
I touch people. I hug people. It's like, man, we got to get it. We got to get over this. We got to learn how to operate better. I was talking to my friend Marty, and he's like, man, this is the perfect for me. I love it. We don't have to hold hands. We don't have to shake hands. We don't have to hug people. We don't have to get close to people. Man, this is the world that I have been praying for. God answered my prayers. It's amazing. So emotionally dangerous people also make bold requests. Do you see that Gideon went to God, and he gave him a bold request? He said, God, prove it. He didn't have the revealed word of God. He didn't have a community of believers around him. He didn't have the experience of God giving the victory. So we probably won't ask God to prove his existence with fleece and with dew because 2,000 years ago, God proved his love and existence by sending his own son in the flesh to experience life like we've experienced it. And his son Jesus lived 33 years on this planet he walked and he breathed and he interacted with people and he hugged people and had children come to him and then he gave the ultimate sacrifice by spreading his arms on the cross and he gave his life so that you and I could have the hope in God, have our hope in God. And so God understands and he told us in his revealed word who he is. But there's other things that we can do to request to God. We can ask God for three things and I've put them there in the Bible app. We can ask that God would give us boldness to share our faith. We ask that God would give us boldness in this time to actually talk about the one that can give us hope, the only one that can give us hope. The second thing that we can um, ask God to do is that he would give us supernatural peace. In Philippians 4, chapter 6 through 7, he promised us this supernatural peace that is hard to understand, and if we will pray and boldly ask that, he will deliver that. And the third thing is that God would give us opportunities in the weeks to come to share the hope in Jesus. I think more than any other time in my lifetime, this is the perfect opportunity for believers to stand up and share the hope in Jesus with your community, with your neighbor. Not saying that you're not going to get sick in the name of Jesus. No, saying that, hey, you may get sick. Your lungs may fail you. Your feet may fail you. But we have a Father in heaven that will bring you into his presence. He wants to give you hope. He wants to give you peace. So when speaking with God, boldly ask him to awaken our community, to the reality of the hope that we have in Jesus. So what do we do with our emotions? How do we become emotionally dangerous as believers? We need to understand that emotions are a dashboard, not a steering wheel. Emotions are a dashboard, not a steering wheel. Notice that Gideon, uh, that he expressed his emotion, God revealed himself to him, and then Gideon followed God's call. If you read the next verse in chapter, se uh, in chapter 7, verse 1, it says, so Jerubbaal, I have a hard time with that word, that is Gideon and his army got up early and went as far as the spring of Herod. The armies of Midian were camped north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. Do you see that the very next day he got up and went on the mission that God had called him to? And so he obeyed, he responded. Nothing changed about his circumstances, nothing changed about the enemy, nothing changed except Gideon's awareness that God was there with him. Emotions make us aware of problems, but should not control our lives. Here's an example of the dashboard. Have you been in your car, and you start it up, and there's a little thing, there's a little icon in there that starts flashing red. I hate it. It's my least favorite icon. It starts flashing red, and it used to just do that. Now it dings at you. You start driving away, ding, 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 and it'll do that for a little bit, and then it'll go away, and then the next time it comes back, it's like, ding, 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 ding. Anybody know what that icon is? Seatbelt. And I'm like, car, don't tell me what to do. 
So about six years ago, I said, I'm going to ride this thing out. It's not going to tell me what to do. I'm going to be stubborn, and it's not going to tell me what to do. And I'm driving down the turnpike right here in Oklahoma City. That thing's dinging. Ding, 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 ding. And I'm just driving down the highway, and I'm like, nope, not going to do it. That car's not going to tell me. That robot not going to tell me what to do. And then I got these lights in the window, and I got pulled over, and the car officer was like, why don't you have your seatbelt on? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> that car's not going to tell me what to do, and he didn't care. You know, he didn't, he didn't like that. He didn't care. What about when you have the little orange icons that get your gases low? What if you ignore that? Have you ever ignored that? Oh, yeah. It gives you a 50-mile warning now, and then it gives you another one every time you start the car. You ignore that, and you're going to be out of gas. Hey, what about driving down the turnpike or down the highway or wherever you are, and the car ahead of you puts his blinker on to come over? Would you ignore that? Oh, it's an indicator because if you don't, if you ignore it, you're going to be in trouble because that car's coming over, especially nowadays with those little lights on the side. I mean, there's people that say, there's no car there. I'm just going over. And I'm like, do you not look over your shoulders? Nope, I trust that little light. What? So our emotions are like a wake-up call or like an alarm. They indicate that something's wrong, but it shouldn't destroy or derail our lives. It's all about course correction. On the other side, we shouldn't ignore the dashboard. So we need, to, we need to pay attention to it. Don't ignore it, but don't let it control your life. I got Max this alarm on Amazon, the cheapest one I could find, because I'm trying to train him to get up in the mornings. And I was like, I'm going to get an alarm, and it's going to be loud, and it's going to be annoying, and he's going to get out of bed. Guess what my son does? Almost every day now. It goes off. And it goes off till I come in the room. And he's in bed. And that thing's going, mur, 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 mur. I mean, it's a terrible sound. And I'm standing outside of his door saying, he's going to move. I know he's going to move because nobody can sleep through that. The longest I've waited is nine minutes. What? I said, someday your roommate's going to hate you. <laughs> I said, you need to learn to actually use this sound and get up. Now, some of you today are letting your dashboard control you. And there's others of you that are ignoring your dashboard completely. Our emotions are a dashboard, not a steering wheel. Here's the biblical test for your dashboard emotions. And this is what we're going to end with today. We need to test our emotions, Philippians 4, 6 through 9. We're going to run through this quickly. It's a very familiar passage. It's one that we've highlighted at Bethel multiple times. It's probably our most quoted passage at Bethel. Ephesians, or sorry, Philippians 4, verse 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So let's pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Verse 8. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable and right and pure and lovely, and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Putting, keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me, everything you've heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. So does something cause you anxiety or to worry? I need to do a emotion test. I need to do a test, a truth test. Have I prayed or panicked? If you've not prayed about it and you're panicking, let's pray. Let's pray about it. Is it true? Is it honorable? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? Remember that our emotions are a dashboard, not a steering wheel. So when others are freaking out, you're not going to make fun of them. 
you're not going to dismiss them. You'll understand them. We'll check our own emotions. We'll be aware of others' emotions. We'll pray for God to show up. We'll love those around us. We'll lead them to follow Jesus. Here's what we learned about Gideon. He was scared. He asked God to reveal himself to him. He let God's peace sink in. Nothing changed about his circumstances. He gathered the warriors. He listened to God's call, and God gave him assurance and victory. Today, with all the crisis of emotions running wild, let's not dismiss people. Let's meet them where they are. Let's trust God's plan. Let's trust his control, and let's lead others into peace with him. Jesus is the peace giver, and I want to ask you today, have you trusted him? Is your hope in him alone? Who needs to know that around you? Let's take this opportunity this week to make sure that Jesus is the hope and peace giver to everyone around us, starting with us. Let's pray. God, this morning we're so grateful for Jesus. We're so thankful that he is our great peace giver. He is our great hope giver. We pray, God, this morning that you would invade our hearts and minds that your spirit would fill our lives and give us that peace that passes all understanding. That when we're going to panic, we're actually going to pray. When we're going to worry, we're actually going to trust. When we feel like all hope is lost, we're going to allow your hope to fill us. Because just like with Gideon, nothing changed about his circumstances. But he knew you and got to know you better and you walked him through with assurance. God, today I pray that you would, in our church, Bethel Community Church, that your spirit would fill us with hope. If there's someone here today that doesn't know you, doesn't experience that hope, I pray that today your spirit would draw them to you. And God, that today they would experience peace and hope. Help us to be a light to our community. Help us to be a voice of truth and love. Help us to be people of peace in a time of chaos. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. This morning, we're actually going to sing about fighting the unseen battle. We've said this before here at Bethel, and we're going to say it again, but how in the world do we fight the battle of something we can't see? We can do as much as we want to do to protect ourselves and to protect our loved ones. But in the end, it's God who can fight the battle. It's God who gives us that peace. And, and the best way is on our knees, is actually in prayer and submission to him. There's something beautiful that happens when the church comes together in submission. When the church comes together in prayer before God. Because when we come together, there's less chaos around us. We're unified and we're one mind and of one body. And if we would come together and realize that on our knees, this is where we fight the battle, before God, praying and understanding that he is the one that can change the situation. He is the one that's in control. And whether things change or not, my peace is found in him. It's not found in my circumstances. You guys can go ahead and be seated. Um, that song that we just sang right before this, it may look like I'm surrounded, but... I'm surrounded by you. I just couldn't help but think when we sing that song about the story of Elijah and his servant is just scared and he's like, there's no way we can win. We can't, we don't have this. We can't do it. And Elijah says, God, open his eyes. 
And when he opened his eyes, when he could truly see, the mountains surrounding them were full of warriors and chariots and a battle fighting for them that they could not see. And no matter what you're going through, whether it has to do with the virus or not, I want you to know that you're not alone. We are surrounded by an army that is fighting for us. And how can that not be encouraging in a time, especially like this, to know that God's got this. Whatever it is, he's got it. Yep. So. Very true. Well, over the next few weeks, uh, this is kind of a flexible, fluid situation. And so if you'll just uh, stay connected, um, stay connected online, stay connected on social media. Um, one of the things that almost always kind of drops as things get a little crazy and maybe out of routine um, is your generosity, your giving, your partnership with Bethel. And so I want to encourage you, uh, probably the best thing that you could do uh, to help Bethel, uh, because there's a lot going to be coming down the pike. There's a lot of needs that are going to be coming. And probably the best thing that you can do for Bethel is automate your giving. Uh, there's a function for you to get on our website, go to the giving, the donating tab, and you can actually automate it. So it's just something you don't have to think about. It just comes right out of your account. And that helps us. There's a lot of needs. This place doesn't stop. It's not about keeping the lights on. It's about the ministry that happens uh, here at Bethel every single week. Also, our partners around the world, uh, they're depending on us, and we need to continue that fight. Uh, But also, in the days to come, our community is going to need some extra help, some extra encouragement. And so, if you will uh, continue to partner with Bethel, that's very important. If you're watching Bethel Orlando, uh, please continue to give. You can donate online as well. You can go to the website, and you can connect that way. The reason we're talking about Bethel Orlando so much right now is because um, they're in Florida, in Orlando, and there was a public uh, mandate where all public schools had to be shut down. Uh, Bethel Community Church Orlando is mobile, and so they use a school, and because the school was shut down, they're not letting them meet there between now and the end of the month, uh, maybe even a little further into the future. And so they're going to be joining us. And how cool is that, that it was just so easy to be like, okay, just join us online. And so they're able to be a part of what we're doing It's a true partnership, and it's really cool to be able to interact with a pastor. Jay, Pastor Robert, um, Bill, and all the others that are there that are serving. Uh, We're proud to have this partnership. And actually, God knit us together even before this was a thing. And so it shows you kind of God's providence, uh, God's sovereignty. And so uh, please stay connected. If you can make sure that you make generosity a priority, we can partner together and we can work together uh, to make this thing happen. Uh, We don't talk about this a ton at Bethel, but really your partnership with us financially makes a huge difference. And so please don't let that go over the days to come. But also, if you need help, please let us know. And there's there's a couple things we wanted to let you know. First of all, all of our announcements, will we be meeting, will community groups be going on, will primarily be made over social media and on our website, the internet. If you do not have access to that, and that's not something that you're familiar with, please give us your phone number today. Please give us a way to contact you, and we will call you. We will let you know, hey, just let you know church is not going to be happening this week or whatever it is coming down the line. So if you're here today and you're like, well, I don't even get online. Okay, that's fine. Let us know so we can contact you so we can keep you in the loop. Um, Another thing is Hannah Wheeler. Sorry, Hannah Wheeler is in the lobby. And if you'll just let her know uh, that you don't have access. Pastor Rick, if you want to let her know that all you've got is this Flip phone. Flip phone. Yeah. Yes. Somebody call if, Rick, Okay, please. so we'll put Pastor Rick down. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah, anyway. put him on the list. Um, and then also, we Ray jokingly talked about, I have too much toilet paper, you don't have enough. This is something that truly we don't know what God's going to be asking us to do as a church in the weeks to come. But we 
want to take advantage of the church family that God has given us during this time. And if you have a need, whatever it is, please let us know. If your children being at home for this extended amount of time puts pressure on you with food because of the food situation and they're not eating food at school, whether you're online or whether you're here, let us know so we can help you. We want to serve the best way that we can, and that's difficult sometimes when we don't know where the needs are. So whether you're in Florida, whether you're in Oklahoma, let us know what your needs are so we can rally around that and best serve one another. Yeah. And we want to do this. We want to be the church. This building is not the church. The church is you. And so this is an opportunity for us to be the church. Let's, uh, let's be hope givers. I have a friend in California who says hope dealers. I don't know if you want to say that, go that far. But we want to be hope givers and hope sharers. And also we want to meet needs of uh, people in our community. So if you'll let us know, uh, we'd love to partner together to make that happen. And, and we've been talking a lot about this. I think, church, it's time to step it up. It's yep. time to step it up. And what's that going to look like? I don't know exactly, but let's be ready. Let's be ready. Let's be willing to do the hard thing, to do the uncomfortable thing, to get out of our comfort zone and help those around us in need. And it might not be comfortable to do something silly as, oh, it's uncomfortable not to shake hands. You know what? That's just one small step that we can do to show love for one another. That's it. Okay, that's all. So be careful this week. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Please wash your hands, right? And remember that, Bethel, we exist to love and lead one another to find and follow Jesus. Love you guys. Have a good week.